This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. This is episode 19 with Michael O'Neill of the Solo Hour podcast. Flying solo on purpose. This is On Purpose with Justin Barclay. Extraordinary stories of ordinary heroes on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome to On Purpose. My name's Justin Barclay, reformed radio shock jock turned inspiration junkie. Each week, we bring you extraordinary stories of ordinary heroes living their daily lives, turning pain into purpose, finding opportunity in the obstacles, and transforming tragedy into triumph. What separates them from the others? How do they stand out above the crowd? We dissect their process and uncover their powerful secrets, the keys to living life on purpose. Coming up, I'm going to introduce you to my guest today, Michael O'Neill, Solo Hour Podcast. This guy is something else. He's a great podcaster, hilarious guy. He's really funny. And a, you know what? A really good human being. And coming up today, I'm going to ask him a couple of questions. We're going to find out about a couple of things. Number one, the story that Michael's going to tell you, I think, about the value of great customer service experiences, how to create them in your business, what you're going to learn about this, and of course, uh, in your life like the power of these things and wh- how he kind of learned this himself. The the one story, the one experience that really kind of nailed it for him. Uh, I think you're going to absolutely love how to identify the invisible formula for success in your life and in business and the key to making friends um, and how one word. Yes. Literally transformed his life and business. And speaking of words, funny words, Starbitrage and barbitrage. What the heck does that mean? Well, they turns out were keys in rocket launching him to the next level. We'll handle that coming up with Michael O'Neill as he joins us in just a second. First, just want to say thank you. Thank you for leaving a five star rating and review on the iTunes podcast app. You can do that right now by going to justinbarclay.com slash podcast or after the show even better justinbarclay.com slash podcast leave a five-star rating and review and we'll give you a little promo we'll give you a little uh props for saying a couple of nice things about it this is bribery kind of loosely but we appreciate it we're building a great community here and this is what we need uh, in order to take us to the next level itunes loves this stuff they'll put us out in front of more people we will grow. Thanks to you. And thanks to folks like June H78 says top podcast. One of my favorite podcasts. Thank you, Justin Henry Lopez of how of business five star review says great show inspiring. Thanks for the great show. Please keep it up and great podcast. Best ever show. This podcast showcases so many inspirational stories that will undoubtedly make your day better from Joe. Thanks again. It really does mean the world. We do appreciate it. Oh, we got a great show for you today. Michael O'Neill of the Solo Hour podcast, SoloHour.com. He also co-hosts a podcast with Heinz Ward, former Pittsburgh Steeler. Heinz Ward Show podcast at HeinzWardShow.com. Um, 
you know, while life seems pretty peachy for Michael right now, seriously funny dude, solopreneur, he's laughing all the way to the bank, he wasn't always as happy. You know, in 2007, his life hit the skids. He lost his mom and his dad back-to-back in the span of just a few months. It was enough, really, to cripple emotionally and financially most people. Well, over the next few years, Michael embarked on a trip around the world and an inner journey that would completely transform him. We'll cover that. Podcasting in general, because I'm kind of a podcasting geek. Matter of fact, that's where the conversation starts today. And in a weird way, I'll have to tell you, this episode is unlike any other that I've done so far. We're just having like a great conversation organically. And we decide, like, maybe we should use this. (laughs) So we do. And that's where we start today. Got a mid-conversation. I agree. Are we on right now? Because if so, I'd love to have this conversation. Um, yeah. Well, let's be on. <laughs> let's, let's do that. Just, let's just talk about this. Cause yeah, let's do it. I could do 20 minutes on this. Let's record. So we were just talking about uh, the state of the podcast world. You came from 20 years. See, see how I flip my interview hat right on. Um, you came from 20 years of radio. Yeah. And you were saying that, uh, that, that, that you, you like where it is now. You like where the state of podcasting or where it's going anyway. I like where I like the direction. I definitely like the, the the where it's going. I mean, there's um, the the good good thing and bad thing is that anybody can do it, right? I mean, that's good, right? And from an iPhone, yeah, yeah, which is even crazier now, right? Right. But yeah. uh, no, I I just like the free flowing conversation. That's what we like to to do as much as I can on this show. I mean, it's sometimes it's a little. Um, it's a little more formal than I like because I think that most people that are coming on are used to doing that, you know? And so it's, uh, you, you know, this, you've got to really sometimes really work to break them from that, you know? Well, certainly on, uh, yeah, on, on each side, on the guest side and on the producer side. Um, I think that, that it's, the, the the upside and something I think you probably strongly believe in. So my show isn't one that's easily cloned. Yeah. And, and the reason why is because it requires a lot of heavy lifting and skill to be a good host and a good interviewer. Like that's a real, you know, back in our day, and I'll say our because I went to broadcasting, telecommunications and mass media at Temple University. Um, it's a, it was a four-year degree to learn how to be a broadcaster. Mm. It was a real, a real career. Yeah. And now that you can podcast from an iPhone in five minutes, um, that's part A, that, mm. that everyone can do it and that everyone has the equipment to do it technically. Right. That they can make noise and the noise can get on <laughs> iTunes is either good or bad. So, mm-hmm. so the, the, the good part is, is that certainly the access and the ability to create content is, has never been lower hanging fruit. The the downside is that when Joe person that's never heard a podcast before switches from Howard Stern or morning radio or, or NPR mm-hmm. to podcasting for the first time and they hear someone's janky sounding show, right. they go, Oh, and with a terrible host, they go, Oh, this is what podcasting right. is. No, thanks. <laughs> right. And, and, and since I make my living with this, the more people that know about it, the better. So, and, and, and the more people that, consider it to be a serious uh platform celebrities and athletes and things like that that 
we, you know, the, the rising tide uh, raises all boats. So I think that that it's better for the industry when people are good at it. Let me ask you, I mean, how likely is it? And, and I'm, maybe this is the better question is, how do you think people are discovering podcasts? If somebody does do that, where they stumble upon the one that's like the guy in his in his basement with the iPhone. Um, do, how are people in general uh, discovering it? Because that to me, that this sounds like, you know, that's your fear is that somebody's going to hear one and, and, and it'll it'll be a bad, you know, it'll be a really bad kind of sounding quality and all that. Well, that happens all the time. Yeah. Of course it happens all the time. I mean, that's, yeah. yeah I, yes, of course I'm scared of that. Um, this is the, my primary income source. So mm-hmm. when there's a bunch of really bad people at it, and I'm, and I'm saying bad not only in sound quality, they just, you know, but also in, in execution. And I think you being in radio, you see the contrast. Um, what, what we had certainly a couple of years ago was, we had, you know, people like John, John Lee Dumas from Entrepreneur on Fire mm-hmm. ha- had incredible success with a very formatted show. Yeah. What people missed was that it wasn't, it had nothing to do with the formatting. The show, the show was successful because John is one of the most brilliant marketers I know. Mm-hmm. It had nothing to do with the actual format, but, but that was lost on a lot of people that said, oh, wait a second. If I do a 26 minute show and ask the same five questions, that's the way to be podcast famous. Yeah. And that was a a tidal wave of awful mm. in the industry for so long. Um, I'm sure you've been on each end. Of, well, maybe not on each end, um, but on the receiving end of one of those interviews. And you're thinking, what what do you think you're doing right now? Like, do you think this is good? Like, is this really something that you're you you're excited about right now? Um, so I've had those conversations with people, you know, on interviews and, and said, you know, what What's the end goal here? Like, do you, did you really, are we really about to do the Thunderbolt round right now? Like, is that really something you just decided was going to be the you way You know to what, go? though? Man, this is so funny because, Michael, the same thing happens in radio and is still happening in radio. Oh, I'm sure. You, no, because, like, look at, you, know, you take a guy like Howard Stern or any morning zoo that's on, you know, and that's the kind of thing that I did. And, and they all kind of copy right. each other, right? And they all kind of emulate and they'll find one that like oh this one's this one's working and it becomes the the one right to do so then every bit everything that they do it it'll all be done like there's a specific um one i'm thinking of is called war of the roses and I, i'm not knocking you know some people do it better than others and i have right. you know i have friends that, that that do these things you know but like it's one of the things that i kind of refused to do while i was on the air because i just didn't want to to fall into that, but it happens in, I think it happens in every field. You know, people find that thing. Oh, this is the thing that works. And then they, they run <laughs> out to, to try and copy. It doesn't, right? It, it's their version. Like, Oh, if you do something like, but bongo fiesta, <laughs> you're going to have a number one show. And you go, if you think that's what Howard Stern is about, then you completely missed the, I mean, 100% completely missed the mark. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, yeah, I agree. I agree that that's a the, I mean, I, I suppose the reality is the, the more you can find your voice, the, the better your show and your audience is going to be. That's absolutely what it is. I mean, right? I remember even when I was in radio, the, the, the minute that I found my voice and who I was supposed to be and what I mm. wanted to sound like, you know, when that started clicking, man, like everything, it was it was all up from there. You know, well, yeah. When, when you do that, when you are actually 
you know, who you are. And then people respond to it. Mm-hmm. And you go, wait a second. People actually like what, what I'm contributing <laughs> and not what I thought they would like. And, and then it, the whole thing gets better because then you don't have to worry about it. Then, then when people meet you on the street, they go, oh, yeah, you're the same dude on the, on the radio. And you go, yeah, yeah. You're, you're getting me. You are, this is who I am. So, you know, it's one of those, I, I, when people ask me, um, I was, I just had a guy named Vince Reed on the show Mm -hmm. uh, yesterday and he's like today's show, today's show. And, and he's very internet famous for being like the traffic guy. Like he's really the guy that knows how to generate leads online. And so we were going through this thing and he's like, Hey, do you know blankety blank or blankety blank? I'm like, I kind of heard that name before in my life. I'm such a conspicuous non-consumer of current, like I don't listen to any, any entrepreneurial podcast. Sometimes I listen to Tim Ferriss if I want to listen to like uh, a, a specific guest, but I listen to mostly comedy and I listen to mostly, you know, entertainment. And so for me, that's always the core of what I try to deliver, which is, it is like my first question is, is this an entertaining hour? Hmm. And, and not, did I just give value for an hour? I don't believe that you have to do that. I believe that sometimes people want to just clock out and they want to just be, they want to not think about business and think about life. They want to, they want to go, that's cool. I get that this guy is the traffic guy, but where, where'd he come from? Mm-hmm. Like what was the, and, and then if there's, if I happen to be able to uh, illustrate an intersection between those people and the people that are listening to the show, that's them going, oh, wait a second. I'm in that place right now and this is the decisions that they made and this is where they got because of it. So, you know, maybe I can follow a similar path versus I'm going to give you 10 steps for how to generate more traffic in your business, which is fine. But I've seen that movie like it's done. If I want to find that, I can I can pretty easily search that and then I can find the other 74 podcasts this guy's been on that he said that same thing. Yeah. And that's kind of where that's that's the core of my my show to me. I think that, you know, and I know you 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 do a pretty <laughs> you, you up front pretty much do a pretty good job of saying, you know, this don't this don't expect to find, you know, actionable. Content right, don't here. get your checklist out. <laughs> it's not happening. But, you know, what's interesting is they can come for that. Like you can people can come to you from that. But I think that what what they stay for is the is the relationship is the you the real you you know the the you that you were just talking about when you find your voice that kind of thing and if um you know if you're able to kind of give both and i think that's kind of you know really that's what you're doing um that's what i kind of try to do um you know i'm still kind of fixing and figuring out you know it's like a work in progress what's this thing going to sound like what's it going to be um but it is. It's like mixing the 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 medicine in with the the food. You know what I mean? Oh, that's a great way to put it. Yeah, I I, I like to I like to say that I Trojan horse it on them. <laughs> I uh, I so remember the overhead projector when you were a kid? Oh yeah. You know, and they had those clear sheets you put on them. Mm-hmm. If you put a clear sheet over my show, it would be pretty similar at guest to guest. Mm-hmm. Like there, there's a general form like if you sniff for it hard yeah. enough yeah there's a format there mm-hmm. i don't necessarily reveal it right and and you know it's funny before he was like a a, a serial philanderer uh bill cosby had a great 
quote, quote, and he said um, he was talking to Billy Crystal about about comedy. And he said, um, Billy Crystal said he gave me the best piece of advice uh, to this day about comedy, which was never let them see you work. Mm -hmm. And and what that means in the comedy world is you look at a guy like Louis C.K., who is sputtering and angry and, and pacing and, and, you know, you, you feel that energy from him. Mm-hmm. And it sounds and feels like he's very random with the thoughts that he's coming up with. But, man, is there steel in those walls. Like, he knows mm-hmm. every beat. He knows every measure. He knows exactly what he's saying and the timing of all of it. And, and, but the audience, that's never revealed to an audience. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the mantra. That's what I try to do with the show. Is which, which is I'm 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 gently steering uh, the rudder. And sometimes I'll do what a lot of lawyers will do, right? Which is to set a premise, uh, you know, five minutes before you actually ask the question that you want to ask. Sometimes I'll set up an ad read. You know, if I'm doing something for my my sponsor, uh, that's a web hosting company. I'll get into, you know, tell me about how you chose your domain name. And I'll start asking questions around those names, you know, around those things. And then I'll just flow it right into the ad. And but but I don't necessarily, you know, people don't need to know that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think I can I can say that to you. And I think you'll really understand because of your background. And, and it's the it's the at some point on occasion, I'll have an agenda and I'll say, uh, OK, I, you know, I know I want to get this from this particular uh, guest, but what what else can I get? What can I get that no one else has gotten? You yeah. know, um, and that, and that's really the you know the fun, the feather in my cap is is to hear something like, oh, I've never been asked that before. That's you know? yeah, that's that's kind of you know, um, I love that approach because that's kind of the same thing that I'm going for. I definitely have an idea. You know, here's what I want. Here's yeah. what I'm looking for. Because I feel like this is what I want my audience to get from this person or whatever. And then um, along with that, it's the other goal is just like I want to make sure that I'm not only am I asking questions, but I want to provide like uh, when when we we were on the radio. This was this is what I used to do is I wanted to make sure that I did something and would leave that person I was interviewing with an experience in the audience too, really. To where they would hear that person differently, and they couldn't hear that anywhere else. But not only that, um, that that person would have such a unique experience that they would remember, and they would always want to come back. Right. I'll tell you, um, I've been fortunate to have a, a bunch of pretty cool guests on my show over the last almost three years now. And I often get asked, well, how do you get these good guests? And one of my biggest strategies is, well, you do it in a, like you, you will surprise them. Um, and I didn't mean to say surprise, but I just did. Um, you surprise them with a fantastic experience. Mm. So if they're an A-lister, if you will, you know, uh, a, a, you know, maybe a Jack Canfield or, you know, one of the big authors or Gary Vee or something like that, whatever. And you, they, you know, they've been on, you know, CNBC and Fox and CNN and, and TMZ and all the, you know, E and all these big major interviews and then they get on your little podcast and you say, hey, man, you know, thanks so much. And they say something like, hey, you know what? That was great. I really appreciate that. That was a really fun time. And you know that you actually gave them a great experience. 
then you can say, hey, you know what? I really appreciate that. Um, now that you've been through ex- the experience, do you have any friends that you think would be great for the show? And that only happens because you were a good interviewer mm-hmm. and that you actually did your job. You know, mm-hmm. for me, one of the like, so a couple mantras that I always live by is I always, um, I always treat the guest like they're doing me a huge favor, mm-hmm. you know? So I want to plug the hell out of them. I plug them at the beginning, the middle, the end, like how to contact them, how to reach out to them, blah, blah, blah. Cause I know that a lot of people don't make it to the end of podcasts. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to wait till the last sentence and say, Oh, by the way, you get to this person by blah, blah, blah. Cause that probably won't serve them at all. So that's the one thing. The second thing I like to do is if, if they're, um, if they, if I know that they enjoyed themselves, I will ask them right then, Hey, you know, would it be too much to ask for you to share this with your audience? Um, I ask them that right after, like right when we're in the, the, the refractory period of the show. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, often they say yes. And then you can, I mean, I don't think anybody's ever said, ever said no. And then, you know, later when you publish the show, I read them a little email that says, hey, you know, Bob, you know, thanks so much for promising to share this. I know you probably don't do this for everybody, so I really appreciate it. Because you sort of like, I told hold them to the fire. But then that's how you get like shares from big people. Yeah. But it's all predicated on you being a good host. Does that make sense? Yeah, because if you're not, they're not going to feel good about sharing that at oh, all. They, they want no. to hide that thing, you know. Yeah, well, not only that, but they're just going to go, yeah, all right, I'll see you later. Thanks. Mm-hmm. And they're going to out. You know, it's just another, they just, that's one of four interviews they did that day. They'll never remember you. Hmm. So that's why I put so much into it. I think that's, that's gold right there, man. So I'll stop you and then I'll ask, <laughs> where can people find you in your show? Oh, come on. You're not really doing that. Are you? <laughs> Don't do the, where can people find where you? Where can people find that's you in another, your show? That's another one that I, that kills me. I'm like, how hard is it to know what my website is ahead of time? Uh, so like, you know what it reminds me of, Justin? It reminds me of going to a dinner party, <laughs> and you're introducing someone, and it's like, hey, this is my friend Justin. Justin, tell, him, tell them about yourself. Yeah. And it's like, really? Versus, hey, this is my buddy Justin. He's been in radio for 20 years. He does this great podcast. Well, you know what I mean? Um, so if you want to find me, Justin, I'm sure we'll have uh, <laughs> talked about this before we interviewed, but it's at solohour.com yeah. is where you can find well, you know, so the reason I ask, though, is the same thing, the same trick I would ask when I would be interviewing people. And I I just I actually did some fill in. I, I don't do it full time anymore, but I did some fill in stuff for some people the last week or two. And um, and when I they're bringing people in that I don't I, I've never met before, we have to have a conversation like, you know, right there based of, based on something they give me on a piece of paper. Is this on the radio or, yeah. or a podcast? Yeah. yeah, on the radio. And right. so one of my tricks was always asking, like, what's your, so how do you say, you know, how do you pronounce your name again? It just sure. because I make sure because I don't know. And so that's why I, I do, the, you know, I do the, because there's so many different ways for people to, to get in touch now. Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat websites. And so I want to find out like, where do you want people to go? Like where can people go? What, what, what's the best way? You know, that kind of thing. I I agree. I I just do that before I hit record. Like, so Uh I, right before I talk, I say, Hey, 
here's what I've got for you so far. Like, here's your Twitter handle. Here's your website. Is there anything you're promoting or is there anything you want, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they go, oh, you know, I'm working on this thing. Let's use this link. And then, I, then that's it. And that, you know, or I've got my book coming out in a month and, and look, can we talk about that kind of deal? That's typically what I do. Again, I take that as part of my hosting responsibility. Sure. Uh, because I want, I want that guest to feel so catered to. And I want them to be like, wow, you know, I was on this show and they, he really went out of his way to promote my stuff because, mm. because I, you know, again, they shared their time with me. So I want them to feel like they were, that they had a great experience. Like, you know, I almost related to good customer service at a hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'll tell you the story that I thought was really neat. I met a guy the other day um, that was a manager of what used to be the W Hotel here in uh, San Diego. It is now the Renaissance or something. We were just talking about customer service in, in terms of hotels. And there's a place called the Grand Del Mar here in San Diego that's one of the super highfalutin, nice hotels in San Diego. There's, there's pretty much the Hotel Del Coronado, and then there's the Grand Del Mar. Those are like the mm. two big fatty hotels here in San Diego. And I did a little staycation with my girlfriend um, at the Grand Del Mar last year. And it was an experience that I had never... You know, in my 44 years of life, I'd never experienced service like this Hmm. and catering. Like I would be walking down the hallway and the like the guy who was bringing up, you know, room service for somebody else's room would be like, hello, Mr. O'Neill. How are you doing tonight? Like I'd be like, how the world does he know who I am? (laughs) You know, or the like every every single um, housekeeper. Would, would say me by name, like all of them, all the wow. different ones, three or four. Hey, Mr. Neil, how are you doing today? I'm like, what on earth? This is crazy. You know, and so I, I could pretty much go anywhere in the hotel almost um, that they would already have my name. I didn't get it. Like, I don't, I, they must study. I don't know what they do. I have no idea. It's like secret ninja stuff. Yeah. But the other thing that was kind of cool, well, beyond cool, actually, was <clears throat> I had a fancy dinner planned with my girlfriend um, at a place called Jake's, which is in downtown Del Mar, right on the water steakhouse uh it's it's a really great high-end steakhouse got in my suit she's in her beautiful dress and her heels and the whole bit and then they have a shuttle to take you to the you know to the the town area and their shuttle is a bmw 740 li it's like this big stretch Mm. bmw and um so we get dropped off i'm feeling like big man on campus and you know at about four o'clock in the afternoon i'd stop by the concierge and i said hey i, I want to go to to jake's tonight okay no problem mr o'neill i'm happy to do that for you and so she she, she says they have a seven thirty, and i said okay don't worry about it we'll just that's fine we'll just wait at the bar you know and she says okay great and then so i go back to my room blah blah, blah. so then we get there at seven thirty, and i go to the hotel hi michael o'neill blah blah, blah. Um, and maybe we got there about seven actually and i said um Michael O'Neill, blah, blah, blah. And she said, oh, I don't have a reservation for you. And I said, well, no, that's, that's uh, you know, blankety blank at the Del Mar called it, called it in. She's like, yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't have anything. Are you sure? And I said, well, that's weird. So I call them back and I say, hey, this is Michael O'Neill. I, you know, I'm at the blah, 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 and, and it, they don't have a reservation. And she says, oh, Mr. I'm so sorry. I thought when you said you were going to be at the bar, I thought that you meant you didn't want the reservation. And I was like, oh. No, I was just meaning that we were, we were going to wait at the bar until a reservation was ready. Oh, she goes, I'm no. so sorry. I'm in a suit. I mean, I'm ready to go. This is our Saturday night out. Yeah. And I said, I'm so sorry. And the hostess had shown me her, her board. You know, she got like an iPad, and it's just jammed. She's mm-hmm. like, I can get you at 930. We, it was like 715. 
Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, so I call the, you know, I call the place and I said that. And she says, I'm so sorry. I thought you meant this. She said, give me a minute. Let me call uh, Poseidon, which is right next door. Let me see if they have anything. I said, okay. And so I walked back into, I was in the parking lot. I walked back into Jake's. I was legitimately 15, 20, uh, 15, 20 feet from um, the front of this restaurant, right? <laughs> and by the time I walked over the threshold, the hostess is standing there with two menus and says, Mr. O'Neill, your table's right here. And I said, what the? And wow. in, literally in 20 seconds, the Grand MR had called. And then, by the way, they sat us at what I call the Oprah table, which is a beautiful, <laughs> like, round <laughs> table above everybody else oh. where you see the entire restaurant and you see this ocean side. You were on right on the beach. So you see it's the best view in the restaurant. And I'm, I'm looking around at Jessica, my then girlfriend. I said, what just happened right there? That was really crazy. And that was what massive customer service does. Mm-hmm. Is that whatever she whatever she called and said? She said you have ten seconds to get a like <laughs> to get a menu in your hand and be waiting at the door for this guy who's going to come in, figure out how to make this thing work, and I will you know do whatever you need in the in the future. Mm. And they said done, and they just made it happen. So those kind of experiences for me are like whoa, that was amazing. I don't know anything about how the hotel does that, but if I can give someone a little smidgen of that as a guest on my show, that's that's what I'm going to try to do. So I try to do everything that a, I, I think what a real broadcaster would do, which would be, you know, the reason why Howard Stern's the best interview in the world is that he's the most prepared. At least Baba Bowie is the most prepared. Mm-hmm. He hands him four pages of notes of, of interesting notes on that person, all the pronunciation, all where they're going to be, all the different websites, all the different things they're promoting. Howard has that in front of him at all times. Now we don't have, a Baba Booey in our life to be super producer to make that happen. But if we do a little bit of work as a podcaster and just investigate a bit about who this person is, I think that we can have a, 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 a they can, we can give them a really great experience being on our show. And, you know, it's funny because, uh, and now you, I mean, anybody can really do that. If you have like a VA or somebody working for you, you could, you could easily do that. Oh, that's right. That's, that's completely right. That's that's kind of my point of this is I I only get irritated out of love. I I get like, you know, it's not that I don't like for me, I don't spend a ton of prep time. I spend some, you know, if I'm if I'm about to bring someone on, I haven't had I'll take 10, 15 minutes and and poke around and see what they uh, see what they're doing and what you know, how I can how I can serve them, that kind of thing. Um, But barring that. You know, that doesn't take long to figure out, like, I can see what their about page says, right? And I put that right into my little Evernote. I can see what their website is, and I can see what their Twitter handle is. And, you know, and then I'll ask them ahead of time, like, what they're promoting. So that's kind of the extent of my massive, unless it's a big-time guest, that's the extent of my prep. Um, in fact, I saw that prep go backwards and backfire on someone with, uh, with Gary Vaynerchuk a couple weeks ago. You want to hear about that? Oh, boy. How'd that go? Well, as many know, Gary V is in his element when he's cursing and pacing and yelling at you about mm. Snapchat mm-hmm. and, and dropping F-bombs. Um, that's like where he lives. And that's where he's in his, you know, in his zone, in his sweet spot. For some reason, at Social Media Marketing World 2016, they decided to put him into this sort of Q&A, uh, not Q&A, but 
one-on-one interview format with a guy named Marcus Sheridan. I didn't, I didn't know Marcus very well, um, although I've just booked him on my show because I want to really hear about the behind the scenes of this one. And it was the first, my first instinct was, why am I not the guy doing this? Right. That was the first selfish <laughs> ego based mm-hmm. response to that going, why am I not the guy on stage doing this? I, this is basically what I did last year. The second response about three minutes later was, thank God I'm not the guy doing this because Gary was not amused. Like he just didn't it, it uh, for whatever reason, it it didn't seem to be resonating with him very well. Mm. And Marcus made what I consider a fairly rookie mistake. I shouldn't say rookie mistake, but a common one. I, that's, that's a better way to put it. A common mistake, which is not to eject from his questions. It was clear that he had done a ton of research and he was ready for this. Mm. He'd studied Gary. He knew him inside and out. He was asking some you know, pretty good, insightful stuff. But the mistake he made is he didn't read the, his guest and he definitely didn't read the audience because a third of the audience left. I'd never seen anybody leave for a Gary V keynote ever. Mm. And a third of the audience was gone by the time they released him to the wild and let him pace around and, ask, and answer questions. And I'd never seen that before. Like, it was, people were flooding out of the place at the beginning. Why do you think they, they, that he stuck with, with what he was doing? What, what do you think that was? And that's the part that I think that's the, uh, again, we, we talk about like a beginning podcaster. Just because you did the research doesn't mean you have to ask the question. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure you've been, like, I've had interviews where I've done this amazing hour with someone. Like, I've been, been the guest and it's been a great, like this one, a nice flowing, fun interview. And then like we get, it, you know, we're an hour in and the guy goes, okay, now it's time for the lightning round. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We were, we were so good. We were done. Like it was a done deal. They got everything they're going to get out of this show. And you just crowbarred in this, this cooked up kind of, you know, Q&A thing. Um, his mistake was not ejecting from his questions and just going, hey, you know what? Here's the mic. Go ahead. Go, go do your thing. He, he should have done that five ten minutes in and it would have been fine but instead he had like what you could almost regard as a hostile witness and i know they like each other but it was clear maybe maybe not as clear to him that gary was not amused like he just didn't he wasn't his normal self he was sort of looking down answers were short you know it was kind of like eh. and meanwhile i saw him do four hours of like selfies and videos and everything with with a warrior style the night before mm-hmm. um so it was a, a like it, to me, it was a, 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 a it was like a melt. It was like a meltdown kind of. It was a it was a awful position that Marcus had been put in because I think he'd, he'd been. They said, you know, I'm sure social media marketing world, Michael, whoever said, hey, let's do this thing, and he goes, oh my god, that'll be awesome. I'm going to be you know in front of three thousand people, and I get to interview Gary Vee. It's going to be awesome. And so you want to hang on. You want to go, can I save this? Yeah. I'm spinning. Can I save the spin? And, and eventually, I don't think he could. Eventually, he just spun out, and it was stopped. And then, <laughs> then we got it restarted again because Gary just did his thing. It's so interesting how the things that may seem the most intuitive really are the opposite of how you should operate when it comes to success, when it comes to your life, your business, etc. As a matter of fact, let's take a quick break here. When we come back, Michael will tell you specifically how one trick used in racing 
and he actually just used this himself on a little racing trip he took with his vintage Porsche. We'll talk about that, how it can actually save your butt big time in your life and in your business. Michael O'Neill with the Solo Hour podcast, solohour.com. We'll be right back with Michael right after this. You're listening to On Purpose with Justin Barclay. On the Blaze Radio Network. The Blaze Radio Network. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's. I mean, it's not going to sell your home. I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. <laughs> You're listening to On Purpose with Justin Barclay on the Blaze Radio Network. Want to know a secret? It's one racing trick that would literally save you from wrecking your life and your business. If you learn it and apply it today. Actually, I heard Tony Robbins talking about this same trick in racing. Focusing on the right things. You know, when you're driving on the track and you're about to slide out of control, you feel your car shifting, instead of focusing on that wall you're sliding into at the time, right? He says to focus on where you want to go. Steering the car in that direction will save your butt big time. And Michael O'Neill, Solo Hour Podcast, SoloHour.com, nobody knows this better than you, right? Well, it's it's funny because I just went through this. Um <laughs> Last week, so I have a vintage car that I restored, and I did a four-day road rally in Central California with it. Um, we went to two racetracks. It was like a thousand miles of mostly twisty, windy, high-speed ripping through the mountains. Like mm. that's pretty much what we did. And there was this one section in California called Petroleum Alley, which is a, a, a giant, the longest straightaway you've ever seen in the middle of nowhere. And there are these giant whoops in the middle of them. Like you, like you could literally jump your car Dukes of Hazard style if you wanted to. <laughs> Um, I did it once really fast and the car got really light and I almost ate it. So I said, all right, I'm good. But I got to this seven mile straightaway and it's just, again, you, it's pretty much to the horizon. There's nothing around. You just can pretty much go as fast as you want. But you know, I'm not, I'm not a glutton for like danger. So I said, okay, I'm, you know, I've been, I've been going about a hundred the entire time. And this isn't a 47 year old car. So a hundred feels like you're going a thousand. Mm-hmm. You're really focusing, really concentrating, really getting together. So at the end of this straightaway, there's a 90-degree left-hand turn because it must go around someone's property line or something. And because the speed was relative, so me dropping down to 60 miles an hour felt like I could get out and get the mail after going 100 for an hour. You know, like it's just – that's just how it felt. And it was clear to me about uh, two seconds into trying to make this turn, oh, I'm not going nearly slow enough to make this and i blew right through the turn i i was i was going 60 the sign said 15 Mm. and it (laughs) and i i imagine the rest of my 100 people in my group probably took it at about 30 but i was going 60 so i now am going 60 miles an hour towards a fence uh on gravel that's what was happening in my life and i and i've got this car that's now quite valuable because it's just how the the uh the course of of uh, the value of these cars has gone up a lot in the last few years. And 
I said, okay, I'm about to crash my vintage Porsche into this fence at 60 miles an hour. And I'm on the brakes, so I have no traction. And I'm looking right at this thing. And, I, and everything I'd learned from racing, because I've been racing now for uh, about 15 years, is all came into play instantly. Hmm. Got off the brake, so then the car would turn. So now the car is turning. Ken, is there any way that I can possibly save this? So now I'm uh, on the throttle, and I do this giant sweeping like drift, like a... a like imagine a geisha girl's fan and that's me at 50 miles an hour on this gravel mm. counter steering and trying to save this thing. I was probably about six inches away from the fence and then I counter steered the other way and it whipped it the other way and then whipped it the other way. And then somehow I'm on the street again and my hands are shaking. And I said, Holy crap. I just managed to do that. And if I had just focused on that fence, I would have still been in the fence. I would have gone right through it mm. and been, you know, I would have been, I would probably hit a cow or something through the fence. But that's, that's very amazing. correct. Yeah. It's very correct that you don't focus on that stuff. Uh, and I suppose in the entrepreneurial world, you know, if you focus hard enough on, on thinking you can't do something, you know, it's the old Ford thing. If you think you can't think you can, you're probably right. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah, it was um, it, it's in that case, I think with Marcus, it's, it's so hard to step out of that and say, oh, I need to. I need to I need to read this room a little better mm-hmm. and say uh, I, th- this is out of my jurisdiction right now. I need to I need to let this thing happen. You know, I'm sure you've been through it. Oh, you know, this I think with me as as in in radio and doing stuff when you're when you're in front of audiences all the time with whatever we would do. You know, I mean the biggest uh, the biggest thing uh, was. I did a couple of things at um when I was in Detroit in front of like 45,000 people at uh Comerica Park where the Tigers play. Mm. And a couple of things there. Number 1, when you're on a mic in front of that many people, they just say, "Hey, you start talking, don't stop because you're ne- you're never going to figure it out. The echoes too much of a crazy. It'll it'll play tricks on you. So just start talking and and don't stop." And so That's interesting. We would we would introduce people, yeah, and uh, we'd do like fireworks for the you know, for the radio station that I worked at, and then um, I actually married a couple at home plate and had to do the whole you know the vows and all that at home plate. There it was it was really cool, but part of that you know part of that process is you know you're what you are very aware of who's in front of you. It's almost easier to do something like that. Because you can be aware of the audience rather than sit in a room and just talk and and hope that this is going to resonate with people. You know what I mean? Yeah, because there's no, like you're saying with podcasting, there's no direct feedback. Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And we were and, and even on top of that, you can assume that a, a small, tiny fraction of your listenership will actually respond, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll get a few, you know, I might send a show out and looking at my stats, I say, oh, 20,000 people listen to the show. And, and I asked for this and I got four people that responded, you know, so it's just, it just depends, you know, on top of that, not only does it depend on that, it depends on how savvy your audience is. So I also co-host a show um, with a former athlete, a guy named Heinz Ward, who's a, mm-hmm. was a Pittsburgh Steeler. Mm-hmm. And you know, he has a 2 million social media following legit. And 
it's still just as difficult to get people to listen to a podcast. They just go, what's a podcast? Like, what am I doing here? <laughs> and, and we underestimated how, how not tech savvy the audience was. Right. If you could just, we, you know, great. We, you know, we went from zero to 5,000, you know, listens and, and, and or downloads per show really quickly. It was like, oh, great. We're good. We're going to be at 10 K in a, in a month. No, we're not. You know, no, we're not. It's going to take a minute for these people to even understand what a podcast is. And, you know, we're still getting questions. What time is your show on? And, and, and what, what TV stations it on? We're like, okay, we, we got to do a better job of this. And so it really, it's really audience dependent. I think in, in the entrepreneurial world, we're a little spoiled because people are generally tech savvier, you know? Let me, let me ask you, uh, you know, because you, you mentioned this earlier, but uh, that you had gone to Temple and, and and done the broadcasting and all that, you know. So obviously, you this is something that you wanted to do. Where did that start? Where did where did that come from? Well, to be clear, I, I was that was the uh, the the program I was in, but I didn't do that program. Mm-hmm. So I was in the 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 overall um, the overall. Uh, school was BTMM, Broadcasting Telecommunications Mass Media. Mm-hmm. My specialty was in um, was in the internet. I, I, I learned uh, oh. web and the internet within mm-hmm. there, which in, in 1994 was a very early time for that to have happened. Yeah, we had we had that we even had classes. Temple's one of the the premier communication schools uh, sure. in the country, so like they really they really led the way in a lot of ways. Um, Speaking to Bill Cosby, he did my commencement. Um, yeah, wow. Yeah, <laughs> how my how far we've come. Um, so, but you know, my mom had been around radio, and and you know, I joke about it, but I'm not kidding. I really did listen to Howard Stern my whole life, and sure. I don't know that we've in our generation that there's been a better broadcaster um, yeah. than Howard. I mean, just you know, you take take or leave the content. But the broadcasting part is, mm-hmm. and the interview part is a, is on a like a different level. There's only a few guys: Bob Bob Costas, Howard Stern. Uh, I'd say Barbara Walters is up there. Uh, I really love currently this guy named Sam Jones. But but finding premier deep interviewers is not an easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that. Um, when the first time I did a podcast, and I'm not kidding about this, you could have you could have dragged me to whatever radio station that you could find, whether it was a talk radio or or sports or or uh, you know music, and I could have done three hours, and it, and I could have done it with ads, with live ad reads, and and I don't even. Do you, do you remember that scene in The Born Identity? Mm-hmm. When he's in Poland and the two cops are poking him on yeah. the bench yeah. and they say blah, 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 blah. And then he responds to them in Polish and he yeah. kind of looks and goes, how do I know how to do that? <laughs> and then he and then he kicks their butt. Yeah, that's how I felt. I was like, I'm in the middle of this show and I'm seamlessly integrating websites and and like ads and stuff like that on, on somebody else's show. I, I did a little fill in and I got done. I go, well, that was easy. Like. I didn't have any idea I knew how to do that. Like Where do you that. think it came from? I think just from a literally a lifetime of paying attention, not only to the, uh, the radio, but the, the structure of it mm-hmm. and the, 
like I've been studying stand-up comedy for years. Stu- stu- like I love comics, but I love the technical side. Good radio and comedy are, are very close too. That's right. And it, you're, and and you could say the same thing about a lawyer, right? Mm-hmm. So you're bringing someone through. You're using communication to bring someone through an experience. And you know, in the in the lawyer case, it's their point. In the comedy case, it's their punchline. In the radio case, it's their point. You know, their their uh, whatever they're trying to get from the interview. Yeah. And but they're still setting up a premise and they're still making sure the audience understands the premise and then they're delivering the goods of whatever that is. Mm. So if you're a good interviewer and you learn how to do that, you can be a good comedian or a good lawyer or a good radio person. Like it's all the same muscle. Yeah. And so I think I'd spent so much time, you know, uh, there's a show called talking funny, on HBO, it was Louis C.K., Jerry Seinfeld, um, Chris Rock, and and um, uh, 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 Ricky Gervais, just talking about the art and technical side of comedy for an hour. I've watched it probably forty times, and just like hearing four virtuosos in their own right describe how it fits together, hmm. and and what it's like to stay in the bit, and what meaning like. When an audience reacts to something or does a clap break, that you just pause and let that happen and then you continue on with, with the bit. Those are things that I picked up from that. You know, those are real like technical sides. So um, I look at a guy like um, Aziz Ansari and I, I don't think his last two or three specials have been funny at all. Like I just, I don't know if I cracked a smile maybe once or twice, but they've been brilliantly executed. So while. You know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't go, oh, uh, you know, go. You're going to laugh your butt off when you're home drunk from the bar with this. I would say, hey, if you're a public speaker, go watch what he did. Like, mm-hmm. this is a beautifully crafted hour um, callbacks and and just beautiful premises. And you see what he did here. You see how he repeated it that way. And then he did it this way. And this one, like those are all things that I notice. Mm. You know, I, lo- I noticed the, the, the infrastructure. And I think that you do that enough and then and you go, oh, this is the pro way to do it. Yeah. You know, um, you can write a hit song if you know the infrastructure of what hit songs are. And that's, I think, can be very similar in the interview game. That's so funny. I've seen that in the music industry. I've seen that very same thing. I definitely see it in my podcast because I just started doing these as conversations. But over time, I started noticing that pattern. And there was a formula. Is there, and this is a good question. We'll ask Michael when we come back. Is there sort of a secret formula to success and how can you apply it in your life and business? We'll tap into that and get Michael's take. Michael O'Neill, SoloHour.com, Solo Hour Podcast, the Heinz Ward Show Podcast, and more when we continue right after this. By the way, grab the VIP all-access newsletter. If you're not already on it yet, literally Tips, tricks, tools, and techniques. Dozens of ways you can learn to create more freedom in your life today, now, right away. Go to justinbarclay.com and just click that blue box, put in your name, put in your email. We'll see you on the inside. Ordinary heroes walk among us every day. These are their stories. On Purpose with Justin Barclay on the Blaze Radio Network. 
Buck Sexton. Eight times NATO allies have been hit over the last eight months, once a month. And the media just wants to focus on, well, Trump's Muslim ban won't stop all of this. Trump's Muslim ban is racist. Trump's Muslim ban is useless. And to that I say, we're already talking about the candidate's Muslim ban, huh? We're not going to talk about what this shows us about the intent of the Islamic State, its reach. So we've had one a month for the last eight months. Buck Sexton. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Ordinary heroes walk among us every day. These are their stories. On Purpose with Justin Barclay on the Blaze Radio Network. So what's the secret formula to success and how can you use it in your life and your business? Well, I can tell you that I've started to see that in my podcast. I've seen it looking back in my radio shows. And I know it exists in business and in life in general. So how can you discover it and how can you tap into it? Michael O'Neill, Michael O'Neill, the Solo Hour podcast, solohour.com is our guest today. And you know what's funny, Michael, I just started to think about like how different radio is from podcasting. I mean, with, with radio specifically, you have commercial breaks and that can be a gift and a curse. You know, we have some breaks in this show, but you can use them to your advantage, It's kind of like using your weaknesses to an advantage kind of thing. You do have to stop down. You do have to grow that muscle of like learning how you can pull people through those breaks, especially in radio, because if somebody's in the car, right, they're going to just turn you off or get out of the car at a certain point. How do you keep them through the breaks? So that's a big difference. But also the interviews were much shorter. And these, you know, you're talking about trying to get anywhere and get anything done in five, ten minutes. I mean, it's it's like nearly impossible. It is nearly impossible, considering that for me, a good 25, 30 minutes is when a guest actually loosens up and starts really talking Mm -hmm. to me. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you have to break the ice and you have to show them that they're in a safe place, you know? Right, right. That's right. You got to you got to lull them into submission. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want them to forget that they're doing an interview because uh another thing about the radio is when they when we would do these interviews especially with some of the really big names if they weren't in studio and in town to to do something, concert, promote something, whatever. And I've I've done I've interviewed everybody from like Lady Gaga to, to Jesse Jackson, right? And the ones that weren't in studio and they were on the phone or whatever, you know, you're just one of 20 that they're sitting and they have a schedule yep. to, to just pick up the phone and go to the next one, go to the next one, go to the next one. And they're, they're being, they're all being asked the same questions over and over again. Um, and so, I mean, that's, if you can, if you can figure out how to do that with, with 10 minutes or five minutes is usually kind of where it was. Um, when you have an hour with somebody, man, that's like a gift. That's right. And it's a, by the way, it's a gift for them as well. Yeah. There was a, a great interview of, um, uh, what's his face, uh, from Footloose, uh, Kevin Bacon, Footloose? Kevin Bacon, yeah. six degrees. Hmm. And it was on, uh, Sam Jones is a great, great, great. If you want to really like see who, to me, who's doing the best interviews right now in podcasting, it's a guy named Sam Jones. He's got a show called off camera and 
he just he first of all his guest list is what I want and his interview like some of his questions I'm like oh god that was a great question you know I'm, I sometimes write them down I'm like I'm gonna ask that someday hmm. um and he had Kevin Bacon on and you know he again asks these questions in such a great way where these people just share these you know they're artists first of all so which mm-hmm. is which is nice it's nice when you get an actor or a comedian because they know how to story tell mm-hmm. you know. Or, or, or sometimes an author, like you, you, you interview uh, Jack Canfield and you, I, I used to say you flip him a grain of rice and you get back jambalaya, like every time. It's just it so easy to have people like that. So they did this really great, insightful interview. And as he was saying, you know, thank you, Kevin interrupted him and say, I just got to tell you something. You know, we do these seven minute sound bites, you know, on Jimmy Fallon or, or you know, Jay Leno or whatever it was. We so rarely get a chance to really talk about our craft, so I really appreciate this. Like this is a this was a treat, mm. and I that's for me, that's like what I go for mm-hmm. with my show. Like, let me give you an hour so you can actually talk about why this is so important to you versus the thing that you're known for. I think a, a perfect uh, time to kind of. Talk about how read you, that. Yeah, let's read that. Right I don't. Ha, I don't have one. So, but uh, I want you to go ahead and read your host gator because that's my favorite part of your show. <laughs> yeah, I, I, well, I'm happy to. <laughs> There's a lot of stern in that, man. I hear a lot of stern in those. Really. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's. I always of, feel like I, I feel like there's more Corolla than Stern in that. Yeah, well, Corolla got his from Stern, so. Yeah, that's probably true. They all pretty much find their way back. But, I wish I could do. I wish I could do more Bill Burr <laughs> because. There's nobody that does funnier ad reads than him. You know, though, I mean, the thing that I think makes those work the most is, they're like you said, they're entertaining. And people will sit through them. And nine times out of ten, if you've got something like that in a podcast or some, especially in a podcast, okay, I can just hit my forward 30 or whatever, right? And I can skip this. But I don't, you don't want to skip that because there's stuff in there and you don't want to miss it. Right. Yeah. But right. Right. There's there's hopefully fun content in there, yeah. or something funny, or he's going to make something you smile. There's a moment. There's a yeah. Moment. Yeah. Yeah. I agreed. And um, yeah, you know, it's I don't do them all that way, but sometimes I do. The, my favorite one ever. Um, I don't know if you happen to hear that one, but uh, I had a dude on the show uh, that was this really funny British guy. And I started doing this ad read, and he just started chiming in in a very dry British way. <laughs> he was like, and I said, and he's like, there can't be an and, you know, like just really, re- wait, you're telling me, let me get this straight. Like, and so he was, and we just started playing off each other and it was just, it was hilarious. That's it magic, was really man. funny. Yeah, it was really, really funny. I wish they could all be like that, you know? So you got this performance kind of background. Um, you know, I know you're you're a musician, you know. Yeah. Um, did, were you always like this as a kid? I think I was always a show off. Yeah. Um, I was a BMXer, like a freestyle guy. And we would, my, my buddy Jeff and I would always make sure that the buses were just pulling out as we were launching off of the big, like, ditch jump right next to the school. You know, like that definitely happened. And we were in the talent show and stuff like that. So I think maybe there was a, yeah, definitely an, an aspect of performance in there somewhere. You know, it's funny because for a while, um, I think I shied away from that, the, the, the show off part. 
meaning like, oh, I don't want to, you know, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, yeah, I suppose I am. I think I am a performer in, in a lot of ways. I love to storytell and I love to, you know, command a room. Um, and it's not, well, I was, gonna, I was about to say it's not ego-based. Of course, it has to be in some, some sense. But, but I think if there's anything Snapchat has taught me in the last two months is that most people are incredibly boring. Sure. Like really boring. And so I think, well, maybe I can do something to brighten their day. Maybe, you know, and sometimes I will go for a laugh, even if it's incredibly inappropriate. Um, and they get mad and I go, yeah, but you totally laughed. That was a, you laughed at that. You did, you did exactly what I'd hoped you would do, which is at least laugh at that. Now you can be mad at me. Now we can move on to the serious subject we were just talking about, you know? So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I suppose I have. I suppose I, I have been a, a bit of a performer and, and I think performing can either be in, um, in, you know, in this, in this case, podcasting or BMX or whatever, or like I play better. I'm a big racquetball player. I play better racquetball when there's people watching, mm. you know, I'll try a little harder, you know? <laughs> so that's interesting. It's, yeah. I think it's just, there's something about, and, uh, and I don't know what it is. Maybe it's validation. Maybe it's mm. uh, there's something though that 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 gets me to that next gear when I know, um, like I I will I'll try to lean into it, mm-hmm. you know. When I did these um, last year I, at Social Media Marketing World, I did these seven live interviews, and you know what a, a long like it can be, it can be taxing to have to actively listen and do like a good long form interview, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And so my charge was for two days, I had to interview all the keynote speakers from Social Media Marketing World. So I had Joel Kahn, Pat Flynn, Chris Brogan, Guy Kawasaki, um, Dan Mart, no, uh, Dan, uh, Dan, whatever is it, 50, 50, 48 days, Dan Miller, mm. um, uh, two more that I'm blanking on right now, but, but all like, really heavy hitters oh darren rouse and then um brian brian whatever his last name was brian kelly or whatever his last name was. but um heavy hitters mm. guys that have been interviewed a million every one of them guy kawasaki you know multiple multiple new york times best-selling author chris brogan you know all these guys that are heavy hitters and it was us in you know armchairs for 45 minutes in front of a live audience and they didn't have to do anything. The, you know, my goal always when I interview someone is to you just sit down and be a guest and I will I will I will cater to you. I'll be the host. But, dude, it was incredibly to keep something like that entertaining for 45 minutes and to keep people in. And, and, you know, you know that that audience is there for value as well. Yeah. So I not only have to do my show, but I have to do kind of a version of of the other entrepreneur shows as well, where I really want to give them some some groundbreaking value. And so I remember after day two being a zombie, yeah. like walking out of that place and going, what on earth was that? <laughs> like I have three brain cells left. Yeah. And it was so, and I'll tell you, it was like, I went back to my room and I literally sat in silence for an hour and just did nothing. I just sat on the couch, looked out. I moved my couch. So it was pointing out the window at the San Diego Harbor and just sat there. Are I just you, like let my brain quiet down. Are you an extrovert or an introvert? I think 
I think I'm an extrovert unless I'm in a bad, like a socially weird situation that I'm an introvert. Mm-hmm. I've been in the same situation two days in a row and been completely different. So, yeah. um, and this is again, an interesting look into the psychology, which is bring me to a bar on a Friday night and I'm by myself and I don't know anybody and I'll talk to the bartender maybe a little bit. I'll talk, I'll, I'll talk to nobody. Mm-hmm. Bring me to that same bar where there's like a blues uh, the next day on Saturday, there's a blues jam and I get up and play three songs. I'll talk to everybody. Mm. So there's something that some barrier that breaks down. Mm-hmm. Um, and another interesting barrier for me has been the, my conversational acumen in real life. So I remember sitting at this happy hour a couple years ago with a friend of mine and it was like, she had brought a friend of hers and then my friend went to the restroom. So now I'm just sitting there with a friend and we're just having awful, quiet, <laughs> small talk. Sure. And for whatever reason, you know, I'm a year and a half into my show and I go, wait a second. I have zero problem filling an hour with good, like entertaining conversation on my show. Why, why is this happening right mm-hmm. now? So mm-hmm. I mentally flipped my microphone on. And we engaged and had a great conversation. And I said, okay, there's a disconnect there that I need to fix. And I don't think I have that same disconnect anymore. I think I've bridged the gap. But it was definitely there. What did you do to, to break the ice? What I think it's it? just, I think you need to be interested and not interesting. Mm. I think you need to go out, out of your way to be interested and not interesting. Isn't that something? Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and again, it's kind of an ego play, I think. Um, but... It's not, it's not that it's funny when you do that, how much people go, Oh, what a great guy he was. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I don't know anything about him, but yeah, he's a great guy versus like, I can't wait to tell you about who I am, mm-hmm. which, which is does, the, which is the default. It's kind of the thing we all jump into. Like, you know, here, well, I'm a, I podcast, do a little blog, it's a funnel building, and then it's an email list, and then uh, and it's just like, oh, yeah, oh, gross. And when I when I did radio, man, the toughest thing for me was sometimes I didn't want to, I just didn't want to talk about that stuff when I would go out, especially if Ever. I didn't know, you know. And the minute they would find out about it, they would want to ask you everything. That's right. Oh man, you might as well oh. have been a stripper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So I used to lie about what I did. Like if I would go somewhere to get my hair cut or whatever. So, you know, cause it, I always uh, had weird hours kind of like I do now and I can go do whatever. And, and they're, so what do you do? Are you, are you off work? You know, especially when you get a haircut, right. They know they can like ask you any question, like to make the, the, the time fly. And they're probably not interested at all, but you know, they, they start the conversation. So I would just be, I would just, I have my standard answer. I was, what do you do? Oh, I'm in marketing. And when people hear that, they stop. There's something right. about marketing. They're like, oh, <laughs> cool. That's ah, great. Good. good for no one. Okay. Well, whatever that was, you know. Yeah. Whatever you care about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But it's like, if you're a stripper, I just want to find out like, how that happened. Oh, what, did, what, did, what did daddy do? Like, what, what, how did, <laughs> tell me how it all went. How did this happen? Uh, it's so true. But that, that. That old, that old, uh, you know, how to win friends and influence people. Be, be interested. That's, that's huge, man. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it served me well. You know, one of the things, Michael, I think when people are listening and you hear this, right? You hear somebody like Michael O'Neill right now 
and you think to yourself, well, he's a pro, man. I mean, you compare your where you are right now to where somebody else is along the way. You think, ah, man, this guy's got it all together. But, you know, look, he hasn't always been the successful. It's been a process. It's a journey over time. The question is, how did he get here? So let's look back on some of that journey, starting with a very rough year. Michael lost both of his parents in a matter of just months, back to back. And that event, or those events, sent him in a downward spiral. His life literally hit the skids. How did he climb out? How did he, to use that racing analogy, right, steer out of it and shoot back on track? And what can you do in your life to create the same sort of transformation? We'll ask Michael O'Neill. Solo Hour podcast, solohour.com, right after this. Extraordinary stories of ordinary heroes. This is On Purpose with Justin Barclay on the Blaze Radio Network. The Jeff Fisher Show. Now, we do have our first report of robot suicide. Wait, what? A cleaning robot committed suicide by climbing onto a kitchen hot plate where it was burned to death. According to local reports, iRobot Roomba 760 robot is thought to have rebelled against its chores and decided enough was enough. (laughs) The Jeff Fisher Show. Saturday mornings, 9 to noon Eastern. On the Blaze Radio Network. Extraordinary stories of ordinary heroes. This is On Purpose with Justin Barclay on the Blaze Radio Network. You ever feel like you're just racing to the bottom? Maybe you're out of control. Your life is just absolutely spinning. Well, that's where Michael O'Neill was. Solo Hour Podcast, SoloHour.com. Michael kind of found himself in a unique and a really tragic place back in 2007. But he managed to pull himself out of the spin. How did he do it? Michael, in 2007, you lost both of your parents back to back and in just months, right? Yeah, dad was first. And then mom was like nine months later. Hmm. Um, It was really weird, too, because I'd seen my dad in November of 2006. And and I knew that was going to be the last time I saw him. Um. And he was really weak and he was in hospice. And I said, oh, man, this is terrible. And then like a week or two later, I called the house and the phone gets picked up and yellow. And it was like my dad with his strength that I'd not heard in his voice in in a year. Mm. And I said, dad, like, what's going on? Well, you and her mom's not feeling very good right now. I'm going to go out and work on the boat a little bit. I'm like, wait, what? Like, what are you talking about? Like, where did this come from? You know? And my mom had basically got a cold, you know, and so he was kind of the only guy that could, because he was being, he was taking care of him. Mm-hmm. And so he just stepped into this thing and he, you know, he started, you know, just, you know, doing whatever he does. And what was weird is that that cold would end up in this super rare kidney disorder and she really never recovered from it. Mm. So that was like, so my, my dad died of congestive heart failure. My mom died of this kidney disorder. And my life was like four years of the U.S. healthcare system, you know, from basically 2004 four-ish, 2003 to 2007, hmm. um, 
my life was like, you know, mom falls and breaks her hip, needs $2,000 of rehab, you know, 20 days mm. or whatever. Insurance pays for 10. It's $2,000 a day, you know? And it was like, okay. And so it was like Sophie's choice for four years. And so for me, it ended up, um, you know, it, it wasn't a choice so much, you know, of course you're going to try to take care of your mom, whatever. So between that and being a freelancer and, and just having no rhythm in my business anymore, um, you know, I'm going back and forth to, to Florida and dealing with family stuff. I just, I, you know, I ran out of all my emergency and reserve and all that stuff and ended up losing my house and a couple of cars and the whole bit, my 401k, you know, everything was gone. And so, um, it was this, you know, then what happens kind of moment. You know, it's 2008. I'm in my, you know, mid, what am I, mid, uh, I'm now late 30s, 37, 36, I guess. Oh, yeah, 37. And I got to do, I got to say, well, then, you know, well, then what do I do? Mm-hmm. Like, what, what, what happens? So I ended up going to Europe um, for four months and I spread my parents' ashes everywhere. I needed to clock out. And I needed to mourn. Mm-hmm. And I came back and in 2009 and I landed on my connecting flight from uh, Brussels to, I was in Denver at the time. And I landed in Washington, D.C. and I had $14. And it was like, you know, it wasn't like I, I better go hit the ATM. It was like I had $14. Mm-hmm. And so my brother picked me up and I was sitting on his guest bed at the, you know, a couple hours later. And, and um, if you ever saw the movie The Princess Bride, the end of the movie... Um, Inigo Montoya, uh, spoiler alert, um, kills the six-fingered man who mm-hmm. killed his father. And his buddy Wesley says, well, what are you going to do now? And, and Inigo says, you know, I don't know. I've been in the revenge business my whole life. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I felt sitting, sitting on my brother's guest bed, which was I was I'd been this web guy, designer, branding guy for, you know, 18 years. And I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew I, what I didn't want to do is ever work an, an hour for a dollar again. Mm-hmm. And that really laid the foundation of, well, let me, let me just start exploring stuff. Let me, let me learn. Let me see what happens. Let me start saying yes. So that's what I did. You know, when opportunities came to me, I just started saying yes. When I met a, a guy that I thought could mentor me, I said, what do I need to do to work with you? And he told me and I did it. I did it right away, you know, and, and, and then also necessity for me bred a lot of innovation, um, in terms of how I, how I went through, you know, it's where I invented Starbitrage and Barbitrage, which is, the, for me, the two most important um, strategies you can do when you don't have a lot of money and you want to actually connect with powerful people. And, that, and what you do is, like, if you're, if you're a freelancer, if you're working from home um, or, you know, you're unemployed or, in my case, unemployable, it's like – you, instead of just going to the local Starbucks to do whatever you do and whatever, take whatever course you're taking or whatever, you go, you take a train or you take, ride your bike, which is what I did, to the nicest neighborhood in your city. And you go to that Starbucks. Because if the adage is true, which is you're the five people you spend the most time with, right? You're the, you're the average. Mm-hmm. Then go spend time with some successful ass people. Like that, go figure out how, where they are and go be around them. So that's, that's how I broke it down. So then I would just go to work from there and I'd, I'd be around those people and sometimes conversations would happen. 
that evolved into that's called starbitrage because it's like Starbucks arbitrage. Brilliant. And barbitrage um, is there was a place where I, I used to go to uh, Ink Coffee in in Cherry Creek, uh, Colorado, which is a suburb. It's the fancy suburb uh, near Denver, and I go to that you know, coffee shop right across from the Whole Foods. It's where all the rich people were. And I would go to, um, right next door, they opened a restaurant called Jake's, which was a nice steakhouse. There was also a place called Second Home, which is like in a, it was like a hotel, a fancy hotel bar. And I realized that it, if I showed up at like 4.30, their happy hour was 4 to 7, that I could get a glass of wine for 6 bucks or whatever, and put my laptop up on the counter, use their Wi-Fi, and just have a glass of wine, a little working happy hour. Mm. Well, before I knew it, within an hour or two, literally the most successful people in my city were surrounding me at happy hour. Wow. And they, were, they would be like, hey, you know, what are you working on? What are you doing? And because I wasn't a, a dork and because I, I had a, a motivation and internal drive, I could have a conversation. I could say, well, I'm doing this, 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 and this. They go, oh, that's really interesting because I was doing a lot of social media at the time. Mm. And, and, you know, a lot of those people are fairly tech averse. Um, and, and I said, yeah, I'm, you know, creating this social media strategy for Mercedes or something. Really? Well, blah, 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 whatever it was. And we get into these big conversations and say, hey, do you want to, you know, let me buy you dinner. Like, let's, let's have a chat, you know. And I, meanwhile, so for, from just that one strategy, just, just the arbitrage one. I've ended up at parties on uh, golf courses, on country clubs, uh, a yacht once, and about three like high-end steak dinners, hundreds of dollars, you know, per person kind of steak dinners, just from that one thing and having conversations with people. So, wow. I, that the only way that happens is when you put yourself in that position. You know, this is this is goodwill hunting. You know, this is you want you if you're gonna if you're gonna clean the floors, do it at MIT. Don't do it at, you know, don't do it at the local community college. Mm. <laughs> so, so get yourself there. And, and it doesn't have to cost a lot of money. That whole thing would cost me like 10 bucks, 15 bucks for a glass of wine or two, mm. you know, but it's pretty rare. I sat down, I was with the CEO of uh, Wells Fargo, you know, wow. having dinner one time. And so it's like, when are you going to do that? When are you going to have a chance to be around that with, with these really powerful, successful people that are, they're going to be like, how can I help you? Like, you know, especially if they ever learned my story, they'd be mm -hmm. like, yeah, let me, I'm going to get you in touch with this person. And, you know, they're going to try to help when they can. And so it's, it's just a way to do it. If you're just hanging out and hiding in your house, you're not going to be able to put yourself in that position. Environment is so powerful. Oh man. And environment is stronger than willpower in most cases. That is, uh, that's a, that's a, hold on. I guess we are allowed to have actionable content, right? So, so <laughs> it's your show. You can do whatever you want. Because <laughs> that that's a big one, man. Yeah. Um, how did you get from the freelance to where you are now? Because I that's you know uh, the trading the hours for the dollars. I went through something similar with the radio, and it it, it was a big shift. Well, there's. There's sort of overall practical general strategies, which is if you are a freelancer, like in my case, when I was doing web stuff, I, um, I, I started thinking, all right, so instead of doing billing by the hour, I'm going to bill by project. That's the first way to scale yourself mm. is to do a, to a project billing. 
So I'm going to do a website for you. It's going to be three grand instead of however many hours. Cause I know how long it's going to take me. Generally I've done 50 of them at this point, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's the first way to scale yourself is to do, you know, uh, general batching. It's so funny too. Cause I have an, I'll, I'll just, I, I knew a girl, I met a girl anyway. Um, and not, not in a professional sense that was literally trying to become a call girl. Like that was what she, that was what she was doing. She's like, well, I'm sort of already doing it anyway. I should be, I should be paid for it. I said, wow, well, okay. What's your business model? You know, I, I, so I, I literally got into this entrepreneurial conversation with her and I'm like, I don't think there's anything more service-based than what you're doing. Um, and I said, uh, well, if, if you really want to do this, batch it, have someone say, okay, I'll pay you whatever the amount is, 1500 bucks a month for three, two hour sessions. That's what you, that's what they get. They can use them or they don't have to, but that's what they're going to pay for. It's just like the gym. It's just like a gym membership. <laughs> like just because you get yeah. your, you know, 50 bucks a month doesn't yeah. mean you're going to use the gym membership, mm-hmm. right? That's how they make all their money is because people don't actually use the gym. Mm-hmm. So I said, you know, batch it. So if you are a service-based business, think of my hooker friend. Um, just, uh, <laughs> just first batch what it is you do. So if you're, a, so I had a guy and I have a group called solo lab. That's my teaching, uh, my group coaching program. And he was a writer. He wanted to do blog posts for like personal development type coaches. That was the world. He knew a lot. He read a ton of books. He knew a lot about it. And he said, well, I'm doing articles for $15 an article. I said, okay, you're not going to do that anymore. You can say that I will do now five articles a month or 10 articles a month for 500 bucks. So you get a bigger chunk of, and then you, you book that out and say, I'll do, I'll do a three month contract with you. So now instead of doing $15 an hour for however long that takes, now you're, uh, you're getting a guaranteed $1,500 over the course of three months. Mm -hmm. You do that with three clients and now you've got 30 articles to write, which is an article a day. You can do that. No problem. And you're making 4,500 bucks a month Mm. from it. You know, that's what you want. That's what you're looking for. Um, I, my, my math didn't add up right there, but it's six clients. But um, so the point is, is that if you start batching, that's the first way to do it. The second thing I did in my web world was I started making use of outsourcers because I could only do so much. And there were some things I was great at and there were some things that I wasn't so great at. So I would go to a client, find out what they needed. I would write them a full scope document which is like, this is exactly what I'm going to do for you. Does this look right? And they would sign the document. They'd say, yes, this looks great. That would take that exact document. I would put it up on Odesk, which is now Upwork, and say, here's what I need. Here's the project. How much is this going to be? And then I would get someone. They would bid on it for 400 bucks. I'd go back to the client and say, okay, it'll be $4,000. They'd say, okay, great. And then, I'd, and then that's how I would run it. Wow. So I, I made myself a creative director, basically. Um, so that's a way to do it. And then, of course, the other way, which is the most popular way right now, is to teach what you know, you know, mm. how 20 years of radio can teach someone how to be a great podcaster, you know, and you'd create a course on how to do that, how to really set up your sound like a pro, how to, you know, how to polish your interview chops, those kinds of things. Like, that's how you batch your knowledge um, and scale it. And so, you know, with Solo Lab and with, with your show, you know, this is something that, you know, now nowadays more and more people are starting to wake up and that's kind of where I was. I woke up what I always felt like I wanted to do, you know, ever since I was a kid, I decided I just for whatever reason didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, that happens though, doesn't it? And people, people are getting that way. I think they're waking up because the deal that they they thought that they signed on for um, just doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, whether it's the sort of traditional model, you know, whether it's you know the go to school, get the degree, four hundred one k, do the work, get the pension, like that, or it's you know it's the dream and eventually even if you're doing something that's kind of fun I, w- I would think that i think from the outside world radio seems like it's fun although a lot of you know the the insiders know the pay is crap the hours are crap you know the glamour is for a few minutes but it's really you know it's not the most glamorous job in the world um so eventually that can wear on you you know that you want to go oh man how about some stability how about i get to wake up before four in the morning how wouldn't that or after four in the morning wouldn't that be great you know if you're doing the morning drive or whatever so that's what happened i got my i lost my job in 2012 and i was i was winning and at uh at that point i i was still under contract and i got a moment to like sit out and see what life was like uh without the alarm clock without all those things and uh <laughs> that's when I never wanted to go back. Right. Right. You know? It's yeah. uh it's a crazy it's a crazy thing. So so that's what I've been doing since is is um different things, but really what I'm passionate about now is showing people that there there is something different. And that's that's what's great about your show. That's what's great about um what you're doing with Solo Lab. I love that unemployable. Yeah. Well you just gotta you, you can there's no timeline on reinventing yourself. So, you know, f- for me, it's like, okay, I, here's what I don't want to do. I don't know what I do want to do yet. So let me learn. So let me just start reading. Let me, let me dig into some books that can influence uh, my life. And I did. And that was because I had a, a kind of a guy that was a mentor that said, you know, I'm not going to work with you until you read this particular book or uh, these couple books or whatever. So I said, okay. And those are all part of what I, I call the sexy seven. These seven books are, if you look out the, the, the front door you've had forever, but you've read these seven books, you're going to be looking at a completely different landscape than you were before. And that's incredible. And, so, and uh, the seven, do you want to name them or do you? Do you I will. Yeah, yeah. So the first two, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and read these in this order. Hmm. It's important you read them in this order because they kind of build on each other. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and then The Cash Flow Quadrant by Robert mm-hmm. Kiyosaki. Mm-hmm. Book number three is called The 4-Hour Work Week uh, by Tim Ferriss. Book number four is The E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. Mm. Uh, book number five is called Strengths Finder 2.0 by Tom Rath, which is actually the, the only one you can't buy used. You have to buy that one brand new because it's got a little code that you take the test, and the test is the really the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, book number six is called Crush It by Gary Vaynerchuk. Mm. And then book number seven, which is the newest edition and really focuses a lot on branding, which I really feel like people overlook, um, is called Zag by Marty Newmeyer. And that's really how to stand out in a very crowded space. Mm-hmm. Those are great. And, those are great books. Yeah, man. And if you just read those, for me, the E-Myth Revisited was the real game changer. Um, and it, it, it opened up my eyes to a, a more scaled existence that I'd never considered before. And once I got that, oh, that's what they're doing. Then it really, I could apply it to almost every business, and, and then it made tons of sense. If you want to check these books out, I highly recommend them. I haven't read all of them, but uh, there's some really heavy hitters on that list. 
Um, go through them in the order. That's awesome. We'll put it in the show notes at justinbarclay.com slash purpose zero one nine. Want to thank you, Michael, for coming on the show today. Uh, Michael O'Neill, Solo Hour Podcast, SoloHour.com. And of course, the Heinz Ward Show podcast. You can check out at HeinzWardShow.com. That's HeinzWardShow.com. And if you want to find out more about Michael, Again, check him out, grab the podcast, and connect. Maybe check out Solo Lab, see if it's for you. Go to solohour.com. Thank you, brother. I really appreciate it, man. I've had a really good time with you. And as always, a great conversation, a lot of laughs, and and learned a lot, too. But, you know, we won't tell anybody about that. <laughs> Thanks, Justin. Appreciate it. Uh, and to all you guys, last piece of advice, don't take advice from broke, unhappy people. <laughs> so true. <laughs> Michael O'Neill. Hey, thanks again for listening today and for joining the community. This is what we're building for you on purpose. You have a guest, maybe somebody that you'd like to hear on purpose. Just shoot me an email, justin at justinbarclay.com. I'd love to hear from you. Go to justinbarclay.com and you can click the blue box and literally get tips, tricks, inspiration, all the tools, the techniques, uh, that I've used to create literally dozens of ways you can use to create more freedom in your life too. sign up for the VIP all access newsletter. It's absolutely free. Love to send that to you. Or you can also use your phone right now. Text in the number four, four, two, two, two. And my name, Justin, to the number four, four, two, two, two. It'll ask for your email address. You send it back over and bam, you are in last but not least because i itunes loves this this is how they do it right um when you leave a five-star rating and review we'll give you a shout out on next week's episode the next show uh, definitely want to give you any sort of promo props or just to thank you if you have like a twitter or a facebook some sort of social media maybe you've got a blog maybe you've got a podcast something you want us to promote we'll give you a shout out on the show because we do appreciate you and we appreciate you being part of this community but definitely go to itunes it's justinbarclay.com slash podcast to get direct link there go to itunes leave the five star rating if you feel like we deserve it and uh, leave your review Again, thank you and cheers to your life on purpose.